bring energy into the body. Bring the body into as upright a position as possible so that it learns how to be solid, stable, upright, and also eventually comfortable. you're feeling a bit drowsy, a few of you seem to look as if you're perhaps a bit drowsy. Putting some energy into the body, enlivening it with attention. So you sit like a firmly planted tree, flexible, deeply rooted, deeply rooted, We can't make the body be that way, but we can slowly help the body learn how to sit that way. If the head, the neck, and the back are in a straight line, the breath is more likely to flow freely, the mind is more likely to be alert. careful that we don't do it in a a rigid way, which is very tiring. What might be helpful for some of you is to, for a moment, understand or reflect that for the body to be straight, erect, is not special. It's not some special position actually natural, just we've all drifted rather far away from that. So it's not an uprightness that has pride or arrogance in it. But rather a body being a body. Once again, returning to the breathing, as we've been doing since last night. Coming to rest in the natural breath. Exchanging all the many preoccupations of the mind for the in-breath and the out-breath. We let everything else go its way. to do that, so much energy which is dispersed, scattered,
by the mind darting here then darting there. All that energy is gathered. It's unified around the breathing. In this aspect of the practice, what we're learning is how gradually, gently, to bring body, mind, and breath together. More and more as that becomes a reality, we're in a position to really look deeply into the whole process of mind and body. This capacity for clear seeing is something that we're developing here, building it breath by breath. Every time there's an inhalation or an exhalation and we're conscious of it, not only are we caring for the present moment, but we've planted a seed for future mindfulness, the greater likelihood of mindfulness happening again. So the path unfolds simply by taking care of now. As you look in on your breathing right now, how is it? In this first phase of learning the practice of anapanasati, the full awareness of breathing, Central is calming and concentrating the mind. And along with that, quite related to it, becoming more and more intimate with the breath as a world, the universe of breath, the different qualities of breathing, the different flavors.
And from time to time, when we look at our breathing carefully, we can see that sometimes it's very deep, where you might feel breath sensations in the abdomen, so full that the abdomen feels as if it's about to explode, the chest. Even begin to feel breath sensations in other parts of the body, the back, the sides, down into the legs, arms and hands. That comes with practice. So sometimes the breathing is deep, at other times it's shallow. Not too vivid, perhaps mainly up around the chest a little bit in the abdomen. The breath is also sometimes very, very fine, very subtle, very fine, very smooth. And at other times it feels coarse, choppy. And you may experience the the way the breathing enters the body is that it enters freely and exits freely. And at other times the breath feels as if it's fighting its way in, fighting its way out. Sometimes it's very, very pleasant and enjoyable just to sit and breathe. More and more of that happens as as we practice. At other times, not very pleasant at all. And very often, it's just neutral, not particularly pleasant or unpleasant. How is it for you at this moment? I'm not suggesting that we try to change any of these qualities of breathing, but simply that we know them. The wide variety of ways in which the breath behaves gives us a a wonderful opportunity to train the mind in attention. We learn how to be mindful of the breath that is very enjoyable, that's not so enjoyable. When the breath is vivid, when it's quite faint. And so as attention keeps up with the different qualities of breathing, attention itself becomes refined. Our mindfulness becomes more subtle, clearer. I'd like to make a general suggestion in regard to movement, movement of the body. Please try to keep movement of the body to a minimum. 
as the body learns to sit still, and this comes gradually, it brings the mind along with it. If you feel in your own best judgment that you need to move, then please move with mindfulness so that there's no, no interruption in the practice. So let's say you shift your legs from them being folded one way to being folded another way. In the process of, of making that shift, stay in touch with the breathing. Don't, don't drop the breath. And slowly and carefully shift your posture. And that way, even though we've changed our posture, the, the continuity of mindfulness is kept going. If there's a lot of restlessness, so much so that over and over again we're pulled away from the breathing, then expand the field of your attention to include the restlessness. Just give it a few moments while staying in touch with the breathing. Breathing in, I know that I'm restless. Breathing out, I know that I'm restless. Not the words, but the actual concrete, palpable experience of restlessness or discomfort or whatever. Acknowledge it, give it some attention, then come back to the breathing. In a moment, you'll hear the sounding of the bell. Please give it your full attention. Stay with the breathing at the same time until the sound is completely gone to you. It's a chance in a very small way to see how conscious breathing can help us attend to the world that's other than breath.
few words about walking meditation, please. As will become clear as the retreat unfolds, the method of anapanasati, full awareness of breathing, is a a way, a complete path in itself, using breathing not only to calm the mind, but also to enable us to develop insight, to see into very deeply. This method is one of many to enable mindfulness to develop. The key to all Buddhist practice is mindfulness. Many of you know mental notes. There are koans that are used. There are all kinds of methods. The one we're mainly using is the breathing. And some of its value comes from using it throughout the day. If you haven't tried to do that, of course you won't. You'll forget. So we'll be using all kinds of ways to remind you to keep the breath in mind, not only in the formal sitting and the walking, but as you go through the day, kind of helping you to stay awake from, from situation to situation. In the formal walking, these are feet for the moment, my hands, if you can see them. Uh, even there, there are quite a few different techniques to use the breath in the walking. And we may cover a few more as we go on or in, as we get to know you better. One or another may be more appropriate. But for right now, let's just start with this, very, this one. Uh, let's say you stand, you have your track. For those of you who are new here, uh, you get a track in the various walking rooms that you've probably been introduced to. And just stand and breathe. Get settled. And then on the first inhalation that you're ready to begin walking, just raise up the heel. That's all. And then let the exhalation just happen. You're not moving. And then on the next inhalation, raise up and then come down on the exhalation. And wait for the next inhalation. The heel raises up. Allow the exhalation to just happen, to wash over you. Then when the next inhalation comes, raise up and come down on the exhalation. What uh, This is for formal walking. I'm not suggesting you do this all day long. Uh, what's required here is very, very careful attention to the breathing because you're, the breath is leading the way. You're attuning yourself to the breathing. And so the movement and the breath more and more become one. Uh, let's say you come to the end of, of uh, your path be good to just stop and breathe consciously two or three times and begin to turn around consciously and then repeat the process. If while doing the walking meditation something interferes in a strong way, some preoccupation, it's okay to just come to a halt, to just stand and be with the preoccupation while breathing. Let's say, this is boring, I hate this way of walking and it comes up over and over again so that you're it interferes with your ability to attend to the walking don't fight with it just stop 
and hear how much the mind is bored or angered or whatever while breathing in and breathing out. And then when you calm down a bit, then resume the walking. Or you can also just stop and just breathe, just be with the breath. And then when you feel ready to, resume the walking. At the end of the walking period, there'll be a bell. And in general, what I'd like for us to do is there's a natural series of bells here. Uh, in monasteries in Asia, the, the bell is often referred to as the bell of mindfulness because when the bell rings, it's a signal for you to, are you awake? Where are you? That's what it's asking us. Where are you right now? So it's a call to ourselves to come back to ourselves. What I would suggest is at the, when the bell rings at the end of the walking period, just stand and breathe consciously two or three times, three times usually, and not before making your way back into the meditation hall. And the same throughout the day, waiting for the bell to ring for the, uh, in the dining room at lunch. As much as possible, taking the bell to be a reminder. It's asking you, are you being mindful? And then just stop and be with the breathing three times and then resume your act, the action. Okay, um, walking meditation is not just the formal walking. We, we do a lot of walking here, just getting from one activity to another. And that's also meant to be part of the practice and also in, using, in practicing Anapanasati, you would bring the breath in on that. Uh, just keep it natural and simple. For example, let's say you're walking at a perhaps slightly slower pace than you normally do, but not very, very slow but I'll leave that up to you. Sometimes a natural rhythm is sort of uh, on the in-breath, one step, on the out-breath, another step. On the in-breath, one step, on the out-breath, another step. That's a little bit more, the movement is a little quicker, perhaps. But finally, what it's about is uh, staying alert to your breathing and to walking. You're experiencing yourself as walking and, uh, of course, you're breathing. So you're in touch with that, that process. There are other somewhat more uh, specialized techniques that we'll get into later, particularly for longer walks outside. But for right now, I think that that, uh, ought to be enough to get started. For a few days now, we've been emphasizing coming back to one relatively simple occurrence, the breathing.
disentangling ourselves from everything that's other than the breath, time and time again doing that. Just to come back to this simple object over and over again, the in-breath and the out-breath. This is a basic kind of instruction for what is called shamatha practice, sometimes translated as calm abiding. Training in serenity, tranquility. The one object needn't be the breathing, but we've picked the breathing. Simple, natural, happening 24 hours a day. power of this approach resides exactly in the simplicity of it. Many of us have very complicated lives, externally as well as internally. We often look for complicated solutions. Sometimes something can be very helpful because it's so simple, and I would say this breath awareness is one of those cases. If you're relatively new to the practice, you may not as of yet tasted the fruit that comes from simple devotion to this, to breathing, conscious breathing. So you have to take it on a bit of faith until you find out for yourself. some of you have seen already, not as a theory, but actually, that when we get caught up in the productions of the mind, it isn't always so fulfilling. Peace doesn't usually come from that, running after this or that. And perhaps you've seen that instead of doing that, if you dwell in the breathing, come to rest in the rhythm of the breath, There's a kind of a subtle and rather unassuming fulfillment that comes from that. As it gets deeper, it's quite dramatic at times. Simply seeing that for yourself in your own mind can make it a lot easier to turn away from the temptations of the mind to get caught up in this or that rather than to say thank you very much but I'm going to go to the breathing and of course as this happens the becoming absorbed in the breath becomes, becomes much easier and 
and before you know it, the mind has begun to calm down. And that's basically what we've been doing, with the exception that from time to time, something that comes up and tempts us, that pulls us, draws us away from the breathing, is very powerful. No sooner do we come back to the breath and we're pulled back to this again and again and again. In those instances, you can for a few moments expand the range of your attention to include the restlessness or the anger or pain in the knee or whatever it is while breathing in and breathing out. Many of you have done practices where you alternate. Either you're with the breath or you're with something that's other than the breath. And that's, of course, a perfectly good practice. If you wish to learn Anapanasati, it's a slightly different emphasis. We're always with the breathing. Sometimes in an exclusive way when we're developing concentration, shamatha practice. And at other times, we're using the breath as a, a good friend to nourish mindfulness, which enables us to look into more carefully and with more steadiness that which is other than breath. So if something becomes really problematic, feel free to expand your field of attention to include that something. Go right to it, focus right into it, become fully attentive to it, and just don't lose touch with the breathing, which is going on anyway. And then uh, when you feel ready to, just ease back to the breath as an exclusive object of attention. At other times, the distractions from the breathing, very strong ones, point to a slightly different approach. Sometimes the preoccupation is about something that's outside the retreat, something which you can do nothing about until the retreat ends something about business or something you have to, responsibility has to be taken care of as soon as you get back. And the mind will cycle in and out of that over and over and over again. And sometimes a moment's reflection, using reason, reason can be very helpful. It's like a, an affectionate conversation with yourself where you help yourself understand that you can't do anything about this right now, but that you have every intention of taking care of it as soon as the retreat ends. And sometimes the mind will get it. Say, oh, okay. Promise? Yes. We'll take care of it. And then it will quiet down, trusting that you will, when you get home, do what has to be done. For the most part, it's a lot simpler. It's just easing back to the breath, 
gracefully, without any blame. In our practice, we attempt to be non-dualistic in our approach. In terms of this particular issue, there's a tendency for the mind to set up what's really important is being with the breath, in, out, in, out. That's the practice. But the wandering off and then the coming back That's merely in order to get to the real thing, the in-out. It's dualistic. The truth is that the coming back is as much a part of the practice as the focusing on an actual in-breath and an actual out-breath. The coming back is the wise effort that Karada spoke about last night. We have to, many, many times, aim the mind correctly at the breathing and then transport it, bring attention to the breath. That's a practice which can be done in a heavy-handed, punitive way. It can be done in a very light, graceful, even enjoyable way. So finally, there's only practice. There's nothing outside of the practice, really. Let's take a few moments now to look in on our breath very carefully. What is the breath like right at this moment for you? If you had to put it into words, would you say the breath is coarse at this moment? Coarse here, not meaning any condemnation, just descriptive. Or is it very fine? Is it moving through, into and through and out of the body in a smooth and easy way? Or do you feel blockages here and there, struggle, resistance? Would you say the breath itself is calm? If not, how is it?
in the sutra itself, the Buddha talks about knowing whether the breath is long or short. It's relative to your own familiarity now with your own breathing. Is your breathing now deep or is it shallow? Again, not a judgmental term, just descriptive. Can it be felt in a vivid way? Is it a very easy object to pay attention to? Any differences between the in-breath and the out-breath? For example, in terms of length. The in and out-breath of equal length, so they differ. terms of coarseness and fineness. Any difference between the in and out breath? As you experience the breathing, this in-breath, this out-breath, would you say it's pleasant, unpleasant, neutral? Without looking for it, especially, have you noticed, begun to see the association between the breath and the body? See if this association is true for you. You may not know it right now, but from time to time it may show itself, reveal itself to you. That when the breath becomes calm, the body tends to become more calm. The breath is agitated, the body tends to be a little bit more restless. 
as the breath becomes a little bit deeper, more calm, (coughs) more fine, there's a tendency to be able to sit more comfortably, to sit for longer periods of time more comfortably. Don't give it much time, just very quickly, if you noticed anything like this. The answers to these questions are not so important. You can drop this and just go back now to simply in and out breathing. More important than the answers to the questions is it gets you to look more carefully in order to answer them for yourself. So we're even now beginning to prepare the mind for investigation, for the deep seeing and looking that we'll be doing much more of as the retreat unfolds. Drop it all now and just finish up the sitting in a very simple and relaxed way. Just settling in, in an attitude of wise effort. (coughs) Completely accepting the situation we are in now. Often, a positive feeling comes with acceptance, which makes it easier for us to focus on our meditation object. 
makes it easy to welcome the breath in a fresh way. And many times makes it possible to enjoy the breath. Enjoy the inhalation and enjoy the exhalation. (coughs) A tense mind, a tense body. makes it harder to enjoy the breath. Concentration upon the breath can be very accurate, but light, gentle. If the watching is gentle and caring, distractions become less of a problem because we will be gentle with distractions as well and we'll be going back to the breath in a gentle way. So the whole field becomes softer easier, distinctly easier to work with. We end up feeling really at ease in working with the breath.
maybe we've been uh, stopping ourselves we've been preventing ourselves from experiencing this ease maybe because we've always experienced the working with the breath as a task as hard work and uh, this attitude has very great consequences implications dangers it makes for a very rigid for a very stiff field of work Beginning from today, you 
slow down a little bit in the transition times, going from the meditation hall to the dining hall or to your rooms or in any case when moving around in the building. Um, not dramatically slowing down, only a little bit. And this has two benefits. Um, number one, whenever we remember to slow down, uh, we become mindful. We'll remember mindfulness as well. And number two, uh, if we move uh, slowly or more slowly than usual, the uh, general uh, ease and calm and mindfulness uh, is easier, is made more available. So it's, uh, it's a helpful uh, aid to our work here, to our practice. If you've not done it before, uh, at the beginning you'll forget many times, but this is just an issue of training. <clears throat>